0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Look at me. Look at me. The Jessica Jones podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 206, a.k.a. FaceTime, is brought to you by Oscar Orocho's Art Drop Cloths. Throw them down anywhere you think the magic might happen.
0: (laughs) Well done, Pete. By the way, it occurs to me just now, you know, it's a.k.a. FaceTime with a capital F, no capital T. Correct. That means that
1: FaceTime is used in the episode.
0: (laughs) Well, this way they're avoiding a a call from a certain company, which which, uh, shall remain nameless. Uh, we want to mention, Pete, here we are approaching the halfway point of the series. We want to uh, we want to encourage people, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far, be sure to give us a rating on iTunes, and if you're enjoying the show so far, be sure to uh, reach out to us on, uh, on social media, email, et cetera, to keep the conversation going.
1: Absolutely. We can certainly use your help to let people know about our podcast.
0: With that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. Running. Screaming. The aquarium. A Prius. Jessica's wet phone won't work. Luckily, a security camera has caught the Prius. Less luckily, they're closed on Saturdays. Jessica buys a bag of rice to dry her phone, and time passes. Back in her apartment, she does indeed have plenty of sweet pics of the mystery doctor and his wedding ring. She notes, I guess the creep and the maniac found each other. Guess there's someone for everyone. Almost everyone. Mournfully, Jessica is out of whiskey. Mournfully, she goes to see Oscar, who's drowning his sorrows in loud music. Vito's mom is causing troubles, though Oscar admits to not being a good husband back then. It's a sad scene, even though something a bit more physical is about to go down. The forthcoming steam being cut by two sad people and Jessica's lonely, heartbroken eyes. The steam gets broken up after she spills some paint, but they end up on it. They're not bad, they're just painted that way. The next morning, a half-dressed Oscar's painting, Jessica Jones draped in bedclothes. It's a compliment, but of course she jets out and goes back to her place. Malcolm greets her good morning, Knowing very well by the paint on her jeans where she's been. He goes into info on Dr. Carl. That wedding ring is a class ring from College University, where Malcolm was once thrown out. Time for him to follow up a lead. Later he's there, reminded again how he's been thrown out of this dump, That's a classical reference. He sees Niche, who puts him through the ringer over his old self, his addicted self. They hug it out, and he steals her ID. Back to the night, though, as the amped-up Trish goes for a walk down a bad sidewalk, ready for a fight. She follows a tattooed man on a bus, seeing the bulge of his gun. On the bus, he pulls it out, his copy of the book The Power of Positive Thinking. When a creep touches a woman on the bus, she kicks him out, literally. The next morning, she meets up with Jessica outside that jewelry shop with the security footage. They enter the store. The owner has a gun, and surprise, so does Trish. This is how idiots get shot. Too many guns. Jessica de-escalates the situation. People were hurt. Fish were terrorized. Help us out and be a good citizen, shopkeeper. But he's not one, a citizen. So he doesn't reach out, but he does ultimately show the footage. It shows Dr. Carl arguing with Mystery Woman, and drugging to get her in his car. Jerry returns home, seeing Inez enjoying $100 truffles while Jerry was out shopping for her. Quid pro quo time. Inez talks up IGH while she dresses and undresses. IGH was doing illegal stuff, and she doesn't have many details beyond that. Jerry calls Inez a waste of her time. And indeed, Jerry conveys that to Jessica Jones. She's a slob. They info-share. Inez is at Jerry's apartment, not a safe house, and Benowitz may have some secrets. The info-sharing continues because Inez overhears that she's being given the boot. She starts to steal jewelry and finds Jerry's medication, among with other things in her night table. Later, though, Inez has a change of heart. She's ID'd one of the medications and has put the pieces together. Inez used to care for others and has more IGH backstory. There was a boy who had the power to heal. Back to Malcolm, he has an old college yearbook, having found Dr. Carl Malice. Jessica Googles him while Malcolm reaches out to Trish, seeing that she's in a bad place. Jessica gives him the boot, saying afterwards that he's got a thing for Trish. Good news, though, Dr. Carl is connected to Ambiho's Inc., a hosiery heir who hangs out with the cool kids at a cool kids country club jessica calls the club confirming he's there and they're off to hit some balls but the club is members only which means men only Jessica's going to sneak in while trish makes a patsy scene in the front entrance jessica goes over the wall way higher than those ladders can go security is on her quickly but they get thrown literally And soon enough, she's ready to talk with Ambrose about malice. Ambrose says Carl's a genius who fixed his son's childhood ailments. Meanwhile, Trish's scene descends into her truly vomiting as she comes down from the huff stuff. But back to Jessica, who tips off Ambrose that Carl's mystery lady may be killing people. Jessica leaves, and Ambrose tips off Carl that Jessica is nosing around. The story stays with Carl, who has Mystery Woman shackled to a bed and wakes her with oxygen. Back to Trish's place, she's a mess and denying using, claiming it was all a bad burrito. She needs a good cry, and that has Jessica leave. Trish then rips the part of place, looking for a super-powered fix. At Alias Investigations, Malcolm's found the inhaler. Later at the same apartment, Oscar has left the flattering portrait of Jessica, but why isn't Malcolm there? He's off to Trisha's place to give her her jacket and super inhaler. He thinks she's just in a bad emotional place. She steps away and huffs up, coming back a different woman. A really different woman. She's down to clown as shirts come off. Thanks, strategically placed coffee table accoutrements, for leaving the naughty bits blurry. Meanwhile, Jessica's out on the street finding young Eric Ambrose. She FaceTimes his dad. Hey, like the episode name. Pops is now ready to talk more about Carl. She wants help finding Carl indeed and takes a taxi, wondering how far is too far. Luckily, the New York City taxi is able to take her to a house by the lake. That's Bayville on Long Island, like an hour and 45 minute taxi ride. The episode isn't concerned with her getting back as a side note. She's had a pretty house with a wide porch that looks familiar and a fire pit out back and an unlocked door. The first familiar angle is of the living room. It is, of course, Mystery Woman's house. Jessica finds a non-fruit company tablet reminding the user to take her meds. Oh, those sinister non-fruit company people. There are also shelves of chemicals and a bottle of Spinata. The scene is slow yet tense. No, don't go down to the basement. No, don't go into the room behind the bolted door, the one that has the bed with the shackles. Then Mystery Woman and Dr. Carl are there mystery woman pulls off her wig, revealing herself to be Jessica's mother. What suspects draw our focus in this episode? Pete, where are we going to start?
1: Matt, let's begin with Dr. Carl Malbus. I guess they thought Frank Baddington would have been too on the nose.
0: (laughs) Uh, I certainly... um, you know, it, it it was great to kind of properly see actor Callum Keith Rennie, uh, known from Battlestar Galactica, among other things. Uh, for some reason, it just, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't... Uh, I didn't recognize him in the last episode, what with all the hair and the glasses and whatnot. Um, but yeah, here, even worse than he appeared in the last episode. Um, he, uh, you know, particularly once you see that there's... There's this uh, this recorded incident where he has uh, he has drugged the mystery woman. Um, later we see her in shackles. I mean, we can talk her own villainy in a bit, but he he clearly appears to be uh, the dominant one, the aggressor, uh, controlling to some degree. and um, I mean all of this is just really uh, you know it's painting him in a bad light.
1: Yes, Matt, known for playing uh, the Cylon. Uh, the the most religious of any of them, Leoben, on uh, Battlestar Galactica, which was a great show until it ended. Um, and the way that it ended, yeah, I did not recognize him in this role at all.
0: Uh, fun fact about Callum Keith Rennie, uh, some of y'all might have seen him in Fifty Shades Freed, that is, if his scenes were not deleted. So, still a workaday actor, Pete, glad to see him here. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see how they treat his character moving forward, just because there there did seem to be this veneer of um of sympathy to him. Yes, there were the flashbacks of him doctoring over Jessica, you know, which was a, a, a threatening image. But you know, when you have the, the reports of how he uh, you know how he, he healed uh, the the young baby there and uh, and all the credit that Mr. Ambrose gave to him, you know, you kind of get this sense as the episode goes on, um, on the one hand, Oh wow, he's doing these things that you can really, that you, you can really, uh, you know, sympathize with, but then there's mystery woman shackled to a bed and getting drugged in the neck and things like that.
1: Well, let's move on to mystery woman who we no longer have to refer to as mystery woman, but can refer to as (laughs) mom.
0: I guess we can't. how about this, Pete? I don't know what happens after this episode. I know you do. I'm not going to take any leads from your your confidence in it. I mean, you could be trying to trick me out here, trick out the listeners, you know, trying to pull over those of us who are hashtag spoiler free. I guess here's my concern. I mean, she's not Jessica's not going to recognize the face of her mother when she has a wig on, but then when she takes it off, she's immediately recognizable. Okay, so I'm going to say I'm going to continue to call her Mystery Woman, um, and maybe Mom? Question mark in the voice, um, just because I'm not buying it yet, and maybe it'll be five minutes into the next episode then I'll be buying it, but until then, she still has killed a whole bunch of people and twisted their necks around, and darn Pete, if we're not in another Marvel property, particularly a Marvel TV property, where parents they just don't understand they're trying to all twist people's necks all the way around after they steal stuff from my apartment and i'm like mom you're embarrassing me why'd you kill that guy in the van it's the same everywhere pete
1: matt you're acting as if uh we have a connected tv side of the universe in which daredevil (laughs) jessica jones now luke cage Iron Fist have all been let down by their parents. Uh, We're not even going to get over into uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Inhumans at this point. But let's just say that parental problems abound there as well.
0: It's also the entire premise of Runaways in which
1: all the parents... <laughs> there, there, there we go as well. Are we, are we leaving any out? I mean, basically, what Marvel property is not in some way connected to uh, disappointment from our parental figures? And when I say ours, I don't mean uh, Matt's or my own.
0: Uh, the answer is Agent Carter, the only show to be canceled mid-storyline. So that's what you get for not including relatable parental stuff. You know, we all might not have super powered moms that twist people's necks off or whatever, but we all, we all speak have been...
1: for yourself. <laughs> well, we... my, my mom could twist a neck off,
0: <laughs> but I guess there's a lesson there in the relatability uh, of it all, despite the, the comic book, uh, the comic book overlay of the, uh, the improbable or the unlikely.
1: And when we talk about this, uh, mother figure here, I mean, we had assumed the, the baldness or at least I had assumed the baldness was as a result of some type of cancer. Uh, again, with the cancer fake out on the show, Matt, first we thought it was Jerry. Then, you know, Oh, why does this woman need a wig? It, it's cause she's a burn victim, uh, presumably because of the accident. Um, But to get hauled away by Dr. Carl, to seem to have some sort of relationship with him. And I don't think there's an implication at this point that Dr. Carl is secretly Dr.
0: Dad. (laughs) I would certainly agree with that. Um, Perhaps kind of uh, metaphorically uh paternal in terms of the, the you know the the role he's played in creating the Jessica that there is with her powers and whatnot but
1: Dr. Stepdad?
0: Doctor Doctor Stepdad though though this conversation is a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think that we're nonetheless circling on something uh, I'll again use the word relatable. Uh there is the fantastic and the comic booky and the otherworldly to all of this, but the fact that it's like who who's mom's new boyfriend that's certainly not at the forefront of the story or even on the back burner, but it's kind of mixed in with the sauce there um, where, where I don't know, you, you feel Jessica's discomfort in trying to figure out who this guy is to her, who it is to this woman. Now she's you know reconnected with mom, maybe. Um, it makes for a good foundation to have this familial stuff there, if only in the background.
1: And I think the breadcrumbs, too, as Jessica is putting them together the perfume uh the 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 drop of the perfume the picture turn around see her everything there this after she's already been face to face with this woman and the admission didn't come there so certainly stuff we're going to talk about in our cryptology
0: segment Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, where should we start?
1: Matt, with mom, air quotes there on the scene here, why did she not come forward to Jessica when they met initially in the bar where she used her strength to get away? Why why the subterfuge? Why the the disguise? Why?
0: I mean, I sense that that she is not well mentally. Maybe that goes without saying, seeing as how she has killed all these people. But I, I sense that there's this haze, perhaps a result of the medication, perhaps a result of injuries she's sustained. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the story develop where – Maybe she's reached out to Jessica in moments where she is more lucid, um, where she has—I don't want to quite say—gotten away. I mean, we have certainly the basement level bedroom with the shackles and all of that, but you know, even even in the prior episode where the the, the new mother had come by while Mystery Woman was playing the piano, um, you, you kind of sense the house was its own cage of her own uh, her own acceptance or her own desire. So. Yeah, I feel like she's not quite stable as to who she is and maybe that's a place for the uh, for the uh, second half of the series to go.
1: Is Dr. Carl, who was seen in this episode with a mug with an octopus on it. I'll ask again, is he Hydra?
0: I certainly hope not. That said, you know, this last week's Agents of Shield was able to make passing reference to to Hydra in terms of the the after effects of you know like hey it existed and this is there's kind of this is the dust left over even though Hydra's done with that kind of thing and
1: experimentation and the whole nine yards and i gotta tell you the ring that i i saw on his finger yeah they zoom in and ultimately oh it's a college university ring you know from the college university that malcolm went to but from far away i'm like uh, that looked like a Hydra ring.
0: Let me put it this way. I think that we're far enough past the events on the movie side of, you know, the Winter Soldier and the fallout of, of Hydra. and Heck, we even we're even far enough past Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. dealing with it and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing a fake world where that was still a thing. I think for there to be some kind of passing reference where if you have no idea what Hydra is – and go you know if he says oh well, i'm former hydra and jessica says oh what those you know those neo nazis you know dress up clowns or you oh, know, something I'd like love, that
1: i'd love to hear her roast us i mean them <laughs> well
0: you know what pete as as a as uh, I...
1: disclaimer uh spoiler pete is not a neo-nazi <laughs> i'm the furthest thing from this i just i just like the the whisper underground you know aspect of it
0: of, of hydra Yes. Um I mean we had an, an episode here where in the one scene with the jewelry shop owner um there's a quick discussion about citizenship there's a quick you know don't worry I'm not going to not going to bust you to ICE. I mean <laughs> would I put it past a similarly quick scene where Jessica just verbally tears apart Hydra and all that that metaphorically stands for since Hydra is a metaphor for the Nazis it's a way for the comics and and later the movies to have Nazis after the Nazis were, were beaten. Um, I personally would love Jessica verse a Hydra person, even if it's just for two minutes of her throwing every epithet that TV 18 will allow. I say, I say, bring it on. In fact, I say, let's anticipate it. Let's hope for it. Let's wish it.
1: In an episode in which she and Patsy tried to gain access to an all male country club and, and were denied, uh, this, After the scene that occurred in the pawn shop with the rather sympathetic, um, illegally immigrated uh, owner who's got a gun because he's been ripped off and can't call the cops, can't seek protection from the law because he'd be deported. I mean, we'd be like tripling down on the current metaphors.
0: Well, Pete, let's quadruple down. I mean – how high would you say that wall is at the country club? Because however high it is, guess what? She went higher. She went over the wall.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, you'd see something like that up against an area where somebody would be prone to drive the ball uh, into some rather expensive automobiles or something like that. So who knows where they filmed on the Long Island, mat, <laughs> where that was clearly uh, lensed. But uh, yeah, uh, quadruple down there on that wall.
0: That uh, you
1: know, build all the prototypes you want. It's never going to happen.
0: <laughs> Thanks, MCU metaphor, Pete. I now have a question for you, and this is a this is a, a, a real world question. How far can you take a New York City ta- uh, taxi?
1: I mean, in theory, in a world with Uber and Lyft. Um I think increasingly far, I mean, there was just that story of the guy who uh who who took an Uber and it was like a thirteen hundred dollar bill from like Virginia or West Virginia and actually a local business around us called Eat Clean Bro uh bailed him out. Um, you know, he he did the right thing. I think it was a little irresponsible to be like, oh, I did the right thing, but can't pay for my uber fare so you do that and this business jumped in and did it no doubt for the publicity and i've just mentioned their name without (laughs) compensation but uh yeah i think you could go pretty darn far so long as they do they would agree to it that's the thing about getting into a cab you tell them where you're going and they have the right to refuse it it's a little different with uber or lyft as I understand it, like they're pretty much bound to it. And then there's the feedback aspect. So I get in your Uber, Matt, and say, you know, take me to Mount Rushmore. And you're like, no, I can negatively rate you.
0: The only reason I ask is because, I mean, she goes to Bayville. I'm assuming that's Bayville, New York and not Bayville, New Jersey. Uh, A, because it's closer and it's New York, and it's Long Island, and all that. But I looked it up on Google. It's like an hour and twelve minute car ride from Hell's Kitchen to Bayville, New yeah. York, which is not, not impossible,
1: factoring in traffic.
0: Um, yeah, on a well, Sunday. <laughs> if if the well that that would be today cross cross town up north of Harlem. That's where your most traffic is going to be. But my point is just this: the show seems to flippantly in my mind as somebody who's been, you know who's grown up around new york but not a new Yorker this the show seems to be pretty flippantly throw her in a taxi and send her wherever in the outer boroughs and as that taxi drives down the street great crane shot she's walking up to the front door the taxi is in the far distance driving away i'm like wait how is she getting home like i know there's going to be story because i see that there's 3 minutes left to the episode and something's going to something interesting is going to happen. But like, if she's going to like sniff around there for five minutes or for five hours, how's she going to get home? Do you, what, what taxi service do you call in Bayville, Long Island to get you back to the middle of Manhattan versus, and I don't, I mean, let me this way again, for somebody who knows New York, but is not a New Yorker, you could have thrown her anywhere on Long Island that looks out over whatever that body of water is. Um, and it just and it would have been closer and to me it just would have made more story sense and maybe this is all way too nitpicky and if so so be it but that's where my head was as the taxi was going away not oh man what what family stuff will she discover as she gets there
1: well let me just uh express my gratitude that on a forward thinking female empowered show they didn't throw Uber in there whose corporate culture uh towards women is abysmal. So perhaps that was part of the decision. And maybe they said, all right, we didn't do Uber, so let's not do Lyft. Stick her in a cab. Boom. There you go. We
0: we may have spent more time analyzing her <laughs> trip than the writing room did. And the writing room may have not had that discussion because they're like, uh, whatever. She gets to a place on long Island where, uh, you know, she can't be like defenders assemble, come help me. And she's going to be trapped. And the end it's a two minute discussion. So Pete, at least if nothing else, we dig deep.
1: The transportation podcast by fantastic <laughs> Pete, coming this summer, uh,
0: last from me, Matt, this healer
1: that is mentioned by Inez green, who I still call mean as mean, um, is this healer, jessica's little brother
0: oh boy i hope not i don't like it when everything is connected to every other thing um guardians of the galaxy 2 for example an otherwise fun fine movie everybody doesn't need to be tied back to everything and if you want to do the the big reveal of mom's not dead okay let's see where that goes you know again there's this universality to talk about family stuff but if it's like her brother is alive, and her, her mom has a new dad in in Dr. Carl. And, oh, by the way, your first dad, he's trapped in ice, and he might be Captain America, too. Like, it doesn't need to all be connected to everything. Captain
1: America, Roman numeral two, or numeral two, or Captain America as well?
0: I don't even know. He, <laughs> he could be the Captain America that in the comics, like, wasn't Steve Rogers for a while, but before – Steve Rogers came back and got, it could be a whole thing, Pete, but it, my point is it doesn't need to always be a thing. I would love it if it's just like, whether it's a, an old comic character or a new character for this, if it's just another, you know, interesting powered person who, you know, whose power is a burden and, and things of that sort, I would much rather do that than also loop in and look, we're getting your family back together. Um, that's my hope anyway let's check our mail drop here's what you had to say pete first tweet comes from that one nerd ron that's at uh raspiras eight uh talking about jessica jones it was very weird in the first two maybe three episodes but got better in the latter half pete i've loved the first half does that mean the second half's going to get even better
1: no comment there from me, Matt. I didn't pick up on any weirdness in the in the first two or three episodes. Although I will say this, it's so different seeing Jessica not up against the threat of Kilgrave that was such a big part of that first season. Uh, so to see her, you know, taking on these other cases and and doing this, and then ultimately. There's this pursuit of her origin story. Um, I I dig the change. Uh, And as far as the rest of the season, well, I'll look forward to talking about that as we do each of those podcasts.
0: Next up is at MooPointsPod. MooPoints, pod. Uh, Moopoints uh, has, a, has a podcast as well, always a fun listen. Uh, the response is, best television of my life. I'm so impressed at how the show is able to set aside Kilgrave and define J.J. by her own story in season two. Also love how much gray area they play in with regard to villainhood, self-defense, abuse. Love it. Smiley face. So enthusiasm there
1: absolutely i mean best tv of life there high high praise uh i think echoes really well with what i was saying before that you know we've we've pushed through the killgrave factor and you know letting her be her own person and you know learning more about herself uh seriously important as far as this character and let's be honest interesting to see her shackled in that first season by the, the PTSD and the fear of, uh, you know, what Kilgrave did to her and stood for as part of her story. And now that she's moved past that, um, I, I think very necessary.
0: I think unquestionably a pattern is emerging that when Marvel TV got to Netflix, it was like, hey, all right, we're all free from, like, we, we got to do a really strong previously on. And then in the, fir- in the teaser act of this episode, we need to really make it clear to what happened last week. Because last week might have been three weeks ago because there was the circus special. And then there was, like, a week off because it was a holiday. So, But we're free of all that. It's not broadcast TV. So we can slow things down. And I feel like all of the first season's or at least as as the Marvel, not the first seasons, I should say, because by Luke Cage, I think they had figured out, and obviously there's a first half and a second half more defined to that first season of Luke Cage, but they figured out how to pace out these 13 episodes better and I think they figured out new constraints that might previously have kept the story kind of going at a, at a faster pace because of what broadcast TV needs. They slowed down maybe too much, and now they've just found that rhythm of... You know, again, here we are, we're six episodes in. We thought in the last couple episodes that we had Mystery Woman, certainly as a villain. I don't think anybody was thinking she is the big bad. Now we're at a point with this cliffhanger of maybe she's not bad at all, except for the murder death kills that she's done. But now we're a lot <laughs> more sympath- sympathetic to her. Um And so maybe uh, Dr. Carl is the big bad, but he saved that that nice boy and has helped other people and not for nothing may or may not have saved jessica jones's life and you know so again we don't need that threat of no one can say kingpin's name or you know the hand not that those are are bad villains we don't need mahershala ali as magnificent as he is with his foot on the story gas pedal for that first half season of luke cage we're doing a detective story where things slowly unfold and that can have its own pace even if we don't know exactly where we are yet.
1: It's such an embarrassment of riches that each of these shows that come out, we have to contemplate, not looking at you, Iron Fist, uh, whether they are the best yet in this Marvel Netflix offering.
0: Well, Pete, we continue to uh, to be lifted up by our team at Patreon.com/slash/FantasticGeek, they keep the lights on, they keep the electricities and whatnot flowing. It's just in the last month where uh, one of our big uh, uh, big bills came in from the uh, the bandwidth and storage provider Podbean and all that. So we always appreciate what those patrons do
1: absolutely everybody who contributes at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph uh gets exclusive podcast content and all sorts of benefits can be chosen from there so get yourself over there today check it out thanks again for helping out
0: the best benefit is the free one pete that's talking to you on twitter how can people do so
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,833 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, reach out, join the Jessica Jones conversation, visit fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeekgmail.com, check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are fantasticgeek as well. Pete, is there anywhere else?
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek all one word again with the ph like it today
0: with that pete we will be back later this week to talk more jessica jones that's whether you're listening on the jessica jones podcast feed or whether you're listening on the pop culture podcast feed shield at the end of the week then more jessica jones ahead as we keep on cruising through this awesome second season with that i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word Deja vu sucks ass.